Welcome to today's podcast with Bishop Wale Ajayi. I have been listening as much as possible today online to the teachings. Every message, every messenger has been so powerful. I'm just so grateful for the voices for Christ that are coming out of this ministry, out of Nigeria. The whole world needs you. And you sit in this environment. You have access. How little you know about the darkness. Even in the church in so many nations. I can take you to places where the preachers are still afraid of the devil. Where the leaders still sneak around to go to the witch doctor. The... It's unbelievable how slow some are. I hear the words of Jesus when he walked with the two on the road to Emmaus. He said, how slow of heart you are to believe, to believe, just to believe. What was already said to you, so slow. But what did he do? He didn't abandon them. He didn't even criticize them. He began to teach them. And from Moses, through the prophets, through the psalm, the writings, all the scripture, he pointed to himself. And ultimately their eyes were opened. That's what we live with. We don't want to be those that have conference revelation. We don't want to just have conference spurts. We want to live in that dimension of our eyes being opened to see, to understand, to know our place, and to be in action. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we are coming to you again, knowing that you, your bounty is poured out upon us. You are filling us afresh so that your life, your word, your person can flow out of us to this hurting world. Thank you for your faithfulness. Through this entire day, your voice has been heard. Your spirit has been strong. And we are thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We respond to your generosity by saying, talk to us yet again. And open our eyes to see something specific that relates to us in this session. We love you. We trust you. You are our life, our breath. You are everything. And we worship you with every action. Now we say thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Now please be seated. Amen. Can you stand one more message? Yes. Yes. Do you hear my English? Yes. <laughs> I just want to be sure. Because I know it's not as nice as your English, but it's the best I can do. I'm from Oklahoma. If I'm from anywhere, I'm from Nigeria and Oklahoma. <laughs> I want to talk to you tonight about continuing the ministry of Christ. Continuing the ministry of Christ. And as Bishop Feb said, and thank you for those very precious words, I take them to heart. Um, you know that. You know that. When he's talking about the simplicity of our ministry, that's true. I love to be within a context like this where, where the, the riches of the scripture are already there. I can throw out a story or a scripture and you know exactly what's going on. Did you know that is one of the methods of rabbinic teaching that Jesus used? 
It's very interesting. Listen to this. Because all of the Jewish boys especially and some girls were taught to memorize the scripture from the time they're three years old. And they began with the book of Leviticus because it's the book of purity. And while they're young and pure, that was the idea that they would teach them the book of Exodus. And then they went on until they they memorized the Old Testament. And so certain rabbinic style of teaching, uh, the, the rabbi would quote a piece, a phrase of scripture, and then skip and repeat the second phrase. And everything in between was to be the sermon, the text. So, for example, I could say to you, the Lord is my shepherd, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what happens to your mind? You're already in the pasture. You're by the cool water. You are being led by the staff. It's already roaring through your memory. Is that right? Uh That's what Jesus was doing from the cross. He was not pitiful on the cross. He was not languishing. He was not abandoned. When he cried out, my father, why have you forsaken me? Sermons have been preached for millennia. How God was so holy he could not look at sin and he turned his back and Jesus cried out, why? Go to Psalm 22 and it begins, my God, why have you forsaken me? And read the entire Psalm, the last phrase. It doesn't show up good in English, but in Hebrew it says, it is finished. So everything, when you read it, You will dance, you will shout the whole story of Christ's mission, including and in generations to come, it will be declared that you have done this. What am I saying? I'm only given an example of why I love to be with people of God who know the scripture. Because it allows for teaching that's not possible everywhere. I'm an evangelist, and usually I'm facing multitudes of people. They never heard the name Moses or Jesus. They don't know. I don't. I never give a reference. They don't know the Bible. I can't use lofty scripture. I have to talk their language. I meet people where they are, and this is and where they are is not in a classroom. Or a seminary stage. No. It's in the raw dust of human pain and misery. And that's where we go. Why do we do that? Because that's what God did. He sets the example for everything. What did he do when we were in such a miserable and low, contaminated condition? He stripped himself. He put on our garment of flesh. And he came into the womb of a young girl and he experienced pressing out through the birth canal of that young girl. And he entered the world as all of us do. His identification with us did not begin at the cross. It began in the womb. And he lived among us. He grew up among us. He modeled for us the life. I I, I love to say that Jesus was the only perfect human being. He models for us the redeemed man and woman. He demonstrates what God's image was in the garden before sin. The image that was to be the ruler of the world, we with authority and dominion, with the mind of God, with everything before us, to be his co-regents over all of creation. That's who we were created to be. Sin interrupted it. We know the story. 
But Christ came. Oh, God came. You know, the first Adam, the first Adam did not succeed. And there was no second Adam. There was only the last Adam. And he succeeded. He pleased the Father. He fulfilled his mission. He healed the sick. He forgave sinners. He walked in our dust. He was he was with people. He was compassionate. He included the outcasts. He touched the lepers. He gave new life and new hope to the women. Are you hearing me? So this is this is the life that we are to model. He shows us how. We did, couldn't learn how in this culture. We couldn't learn how. We have to look at Jesus to see who is the God-man. Who are we as the redeemed men and women of God? And I'm saying all of this so that we begin to imagine. Come with me. We watch him grow up. We watch his uniqueness. We see his intelligence. We see what the God breath in a human can produce. We see him reasoning with the rulers, the scribes. We see him beginning his ministry, being faithful to his, his tradition. He fulfilled all of the law. He didn't come with disdain. He didn't come to sweep it away. He came to fulfill. We watch him. And then we see him at the cross. And we see the extent, we actually see the extent, the horror of our own sin. When we look at the cross, we see the penalty that was necessary. The price that had to be paid. His body was ripped. He didn't even look like a human being when they finished with him. There is no movie. There is no, no, no verbal expression. There is no way to describe what Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, endured because of love. And because we were his priority. We were always God's priority. That's why we have such a school right now, this school of wisdom with this theme. People are God's priority. And we see that at the cross. We see his love. We see his victory. We see all all the enemies of God. We see all of the population of hell, every demon. We see them rejoicing, thinking they won. We see that. And we see all of the scripture being fulfilled, buried in a rich man's tomb, taken from the cross, passing without a bone being broken before the Sabbath. It was all on time. Nothing was out of order. Everything was scheduled. And according to the scripture, on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And that was the beginning of the end of Satan. He was defeated. He gained, he had no more power over we who have been redeemed by Christ. The kingdom of God was inaugurated. I may talk to you about that tomorrow. I have a message Concerning the kingdom of God that I believe is very important. Everything is confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus. Everything. If it were not for the resurrection, the cross would be a sad ending to a nice man's story. But there was a resurrection. Hallelujah. And that is our message. He was crucified and God raised him from the dead and he is alive today. So now we come to the scripture after he has raised from the dead, after, after we've read the four gospels, we understand the story, we come to the book of Acts. And if you want to look at your Bible or make a note, Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Let's read just a few verses because this is a this this passage gives us a context 
between Jesus' life, his demonstration, and the beginning of our demonstration. Ordinary people, just like you and me, the apostles, the followers of Christ, the disciples, all of those just like us. The only difference, they chose to follow Christ and believe him. So let's read. You know that Luke is the author. The former account I made, O Theophilus, referring to the Gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. I want you to say that with me. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Very important. He began, he didn't finish. He began to do, he was not idle. He came to teach. He was one imparting knowledge and truth. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom, I'm reading from the New King James, so please don't let that uh, create any problem. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Say proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days. Wouldn't you love to have followed the resurrected Jesus around for those 40 days? Oh, we wouldn't have needed to eat or drink or sleep. We would have been fixated on his every movement, his every gesture, the look out of his eyes, every word. Mm. And he was speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. I remind you of something we already know, but I I seal it in you. We cannot do what we are commissioned to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without power from on high. Not power from our education or our other resources or our intellect or even that some great person laid their hands on us. No, we need power from on high. Then let's go down. Verse 6. When they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I think I taught on that. The last time I was with you via a recording, yeah, this is a powerful, powerful transition of power. <laughs> Authority was transmitted. Look at this. And, and he says, well, it's not your business. <laughs> Move on. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be, say it with me, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you know I have actually been to the ends of the earth? It's in Russia. It's above the Arctic Circle. And it's called the ends of the earth. Remote It really is the ends of the earth. So, I love these things that you see in Scripture. And so, what I'm talking to you about is how do we... What Jesus has said is, I'm here. I've been teaching you. I've demonstrated everything. I've paid the price for your sin. I've included you. I've been the sacrifice. I have now been resurrected. So now I am alive to be the guarantor for the the guarantor, guarantor for all the promises of God. For in him is yes and amen. Every promise of God is fulfilled because of Christ and what he did. So Jesus says, I've done it all. There are two kinds of prayers that my father says God will never answer. Have you read these? Yeah, I love this. He says God will never answer a prayer for him to do what he's already done. 
And he'll never answer the prayer where we're asking him to do what he's told us to do. It's so simple. So this is, this is the bridge between him and us. And now we have his spirit. I'm not reading on. You know Acts chapter 2. When they were all together in one place, in one accord, 120 of them, men and women, and there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And my, my spirit goes back to Genesis 2-7 when God breathed on that lifeless form and breathed into the form his own breath, his own life. His own spirit, his own essence, his own will, his own emotions. When he breathed, from the time sin entered, the breath had never occupied a human vessel. In the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord would come on a prophet or come on a king for a purpose, but it wouldn't remain there and it never dwelt in. After the resurrection, at the time of Pentecost, there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house, and tongues like fire sat on the heads of each of them, all 120, and they all began, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. They didn't make up the words. The Spirit gave them the words. Let's stop making up our own words. Let's let the Spirit speak through us. Oh, and what did they say to all of the nations that were gathered around? They were hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language. May we go into our world declaring the wonderful works of God in the language of the people. We go to the market, we talk the market language. We go to a drug addict, we talk the drug language. We go to a scholar, we talk the academic language. We go to a politician, we talk government language. Let us be clear that we're speaking a language that can be understood. We talk to youth or children. Let us know their language. Or they won't listen to us. Let's talk their language. We get the example from Acts chapter 2. So now, this first batch of 120 are ready to launch into a new dimension. And this is where we learn. What, how do we continue the ministry of Jesus? Let me just show you four simple things that you will recognize immediately, and I'm here to remind you, these things are the very essence. If, if I can say that our ministry, my parents, our ministry has, has enjoyed any success in the kingdom, these are the foundation, the pillars that we hold to consistently. Are you ready? Number one, focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, and the last days are began when Jesus came out of the tomb. We're living in the last days. So don't hear that and let some last days preacher tell you from the newspaper when Jesus is coming. <laughs> None of them have been right. Let's learn something. <laughs> but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. And I could go on, I just need to go on a little bit more, because it says, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power, not the power of his word, the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Can you say amen? And then let's go to verse, to chapter 12 of Hebrews. I'm talking to you about focusing on Christ. We are given instruction to shift our attention. I love what Bishop Wally said. It was a quote brought out of the message. I didn't hear it. I saw the quote. And it's something about stop running after prophets. How did you finish that? Stop running after prophets. You can't remember. I know the feeling. <laughs> People ask me to repeat something I've said. I, said, I hope you had a recorder because I don't know. <laughs> but we, I'm not, prophets are not wrong. I mean, they're not unbiblical. But we're in the New Testament era. We don't need the example of Old Testament prophets. Cursing everyone, calling doom and damnation. No, 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 no. We come to New Testament prophecy, and that's proclaiming the good news of Christ. We are all to desire the gift of prophecy. And he shows us things to come. He sure does. Right in his word. We don't need to run around looking. That's what you said. Stop running around after prophets and come to his word. Ah, that's it. Somebody say, thank you, Bishop Wally. (laughs) And in Hebrews chapter 12, listen, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded, now this is coming right after chapter 11, which we call the chapter of faith. It's the faith chapter enumerating all of these faith heroes. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we could add some names to those that were in chapter 11, couldn't we? Yes. The work of faith and the miracle confirmation of God through people has continued. It didn't stop when chapter 11 was finished. No, no, we have evidence in our generation. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this sin, that word means apathy. When we get lazy, when we forget our purpose, when we relax in our happy faith. So don't let that sin, don't let that sin easily ensnares. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Fixing our eyes. Come on, say it with me. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter. Bishop Feb, the beginning and the end, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured even the cross. And look at him now. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, come on. That's a place of authority. That's not a a chair. That's a place of authority where he's overseeing everything that his church does on earth. He is for us, not against us. He is with us, not against us. He is in us, not against us. He is all and he's in us. He's in us. Can you say amen? And then 1 Corinthians 2, 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. The Apostle Paul says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's say that together. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can we make that resolve? If we are to continue the ministry of Jesus, we must remain focused on him. Focused on him. My friends, in this atmosphere, 
All the echoes of this rich words that we've been hearing all day, all day yesterday, in this atmosphere, it's not difficult to say, I'll focus on Jesus. But you go back to your place of ministry, your place of work, and you start becoming bombarded with all the things that are vying for your attention. That's the trick of the enemy. He wants to steal your attention. And sometimes he uses very good things, good projects, good programs, good things. But when you see yourself moving away from focus on Jesus, just stop. Just stop. Go to your knees and say, Jesus, 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 reorient me so that I'm focused on you. That's the starting point. If you want to continue Christ's ministry, and his ministry is for all of us, you know. It's not for a few special people. His ministry is for all of us. We are the continuation. That has been repeated in many ways. You have to grasp that for yourself and set aside all of those things that you think disqualify you. Those things that have caused you to look to other wonderful people and think they're doing a good job. I'll just pray for them. No, no, you're not excluded. You're not excluded. You're included, and that's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing. It's a dignifying reality. Just accept it for yourself. Fear, the enemy's distractions, methods. We get sidetracked with our methods and our programs, our traditions, our arguments, even our pride. We become distracted so easily by these things. I'm encouraging you. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. Wake up in the morning looking at him. See him. Look in the mirror. See him. Did you hear me? Women, you may not like the mirror first thing in the morning. Go look at yourself and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're in me. In our ministry, I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to always be referring to my father and mother. They're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> but I can tell you that in all of the years, probably 40, 45 years, I've been doing evangelism, mass evangelism on my own. And in all of these decades, it's been so beautiful to be able to present Jesus to people. Because I believe when Jesus is presented as he really is, he's irresistible. He is. He is. People want him. People want him. And so I I stand among these people. They receive Christ. They're eager. Often they're they're wanting before I even get to the altar call. that's That's an odd term. That's a church term. There's no altar where I go. I don't even have open space in front of the platform. I don't like to be barricaded from the people. Jesus didn't. He said, let them come. So we let them come. It's better to let them come than a stampede crush hurting people. Or demons take the space and try to show off. Yeah, we just don't give them any space. And it is, so, it's, it is so wonderful as miracles begin happening, just as you were speaking. Miracles begin happening. It's not our power. We've claimed no special gift. It's the power of the gospel. And when people get it and they say, yes, they receive a miracle, it's wonderful. We never, we don't touch people. Because you know when you're with simple people who have only been in, in superstition, and they think, look at me, I really stand out in a black crowd because I, I'm the wrong color. I speak the wrong language. I try to wear the right clothes, but that doesn't always camouflage everything. <laughs> but they think the power somehow in me. If I touch people, I love to touch people, but I don't do it in those contexts. Because I don't want people to think I have the power. Everything is pointing to Jesus. Yes, yes. I tell them, one day I'll get on an airplane and I'll go somewhere else, but Jesus will stay right with you. Jesus doesn't leave you. So we point to Jesus. He's the anchor for their souls. Not a personality that's come, think about this, from another land. They have to submit to a foreigner. No, 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 no. Enough of that. 
Let's give them Jesus and let them submit to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was remembering as you were talking, I was remembering our, our event in Kakwit, DRC. Kakwit, it was a, a, a way interior town, never had any kind of mass evangelism. It was a, it was a, it was a real historic event. And the people gathered, oh my goodness, you could see them flooding from the town out to a field that was a a rolling field. You couldn't even see the end of the crowd. The trees all around were full of people. It was an amazing, people were so hungry. As I was coming from the airport, they had a parade from the airport into the town. And it was, it was so touching. People were coming out from behind their, their homes and saying things like, Welcome, you answer our prayer. We've been praying. I don't know who's been praying. What were they praying for? Welcome, you are the answer to our prayer. You are going to save us. Where did this come from? I was so touched. Well, the very first night of this event... As always, we have no music, we have no preliminaries. People, we've told the sick to come. And so they come, they're hurting, they're moaning, babies are crying. It's a, it's a field of people that are lost and in pain. And so, number one, we don't have music because they don't know the songs. Only the Christians among the crowd know the songs. Well, this is not an us and them event. I tell the preachers, from the time we step on that platform, I'm controlling everything. Trust me, if you knew how to do what I do, you would be doing it. And they laugh, because by this time they know me. But So within five minutes of opening, I'm in the pulpit with my interpreter. There's no pulpit. I'm with the microphone (laughs) with my interpreter. And I preach for maybe 20 minutes, maybe 25, with the interpreter. So I'm getting half of that. And to bring that sea of people... It always looks like 100%. And every day it looks like 85% of the crowd is brand new. And all of them choose to accept Christ. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sight. That's a harvest field. When you see these hands in the air and you hear Jesus' words, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers. These are the scenes that I see. And so... Anyway, we, I, was, I was just, we had prayed, the people had accepted Christ. I was just getting ready to pray for the sick. And I always give instruction. And I read scriptures. I, 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 don't, I don't, the power's not in the prayer, the power's in the word of God. I have to build their faith for healing. And just as I was beginning to give them instruction about, after they receive their miracle, come and give testimony. I was just at that place. And a wind began to blow. I recognized it because it had happened in Togo. All at the appropriate time, a wind, it was a miracle wind. It began to blow. It blew so hard that I had to brace myself. My hair just standing straight up and I have to keep my balance. But I know it's a miracle wind and all of a sudden, here go the crutches. Here go the wheelchairs. Screaming over here. Jumping over here. Without any prayer. No prayer. God was doing his thing and showing up for these people. Can you say hallelujah? Focus on Jesus. When you talk about him, he always shows up. Number two, to continue the ministry of Jesus, prioritize evangelism. That's not new to you. But it's an anchoring pillar in the continuation of Christ's ministry. You may know the name Oswald J. Smith. He's a, he wrote the classic book, Passion for Souls. If you can find it, I encourage you to read it. That's one I read every year, Passion for Souls. And uh, he had a large church in Toronto, Canada. It was called the People's Church. And it was just a huge Huge, like a, like a, like a basketball court. It was a huge arena. That's what it was—an arena, very, very simple. And there were banners all around. 
My parents, when they were young, long before I was born, they went, they went to that place. Maybe I had been born, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but they went to that place, and there was a banner on the wall that marked my parents, and it was simply, why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? And that lit a fire in them that they carried until their last breath. And they passed that fire on to many, many who are evangelists and soul winners all over the world today. Prioritize evangelism. He had another statement that we like. He said, everyone must go or send a substitute. And we can be substitutes through our prayer, through our giving. There are circumstances that keep us from actually going when a going is part of it. Now, you don't have to go any place if you're living your life, going to the market, going to your job, going to your classroom. That's your world. But the going somewhere else is not always possible. So we, we do not excuse ourselves. We send substitutes. We send substitutes. This ministry is a ministry that you can sow your good seed in. I'm not excusing you from going. I'm saying give. We go through our giving. Pray. We go through our prayers. This is part of prioritizing evangelism. Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 43, he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Say other towns. If you've never had a passion for other towns, pray. Pray for a passion for souls in other towns. I could talk to you about different countries all over the world and describe to you the circumstance of the people, the needs for the gospel. And one of those nations might pop with you. Listen, we're living in a day. You can go to your computer and you can search any nation in the world. God may give you a dream in the night and it'll be the name of a nation you've never heard of. You have no excuse. Go to your computer and Google it and see the condition. Read about the religions. Read about the people. Read about their economies. Read about their churches. And may God grant that in your heart will be stirred a calling to go to a nation and be the voice that brings Christ to people who are suffering, languishing without hope. I could tell you so many stories about the way invitations come to me. In the olden days of my parents' beginning, God would speak to them and put a nation on their heart, and they would begin planning to go. We would go as a family. Now, it's, it's invitations. I, look for, I listen for a certain sound in the invitations. I'm looking, I'm looking for a specific context where I know God can use me. To not only bring the gospel, but to lift the churches and to inspire the leaders. Oh my goodness, my friend, there is, there's a sound that we carry with us. It's a sound of the cry of people. It's a sound of calling. Can you come and help us? I received, I rest, oh I don't have time to tell you. Let me finish my sermon. Then if I have time, I'll circle back. I'll circle back. <laughs> Jesus said, we're continuing his ministry in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you say that? Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That means we come to people and we say, now is your time. God's ready right now. He's been looking for you. He's come right now. He's looking for you to turn to him and say, yes, right now his favor is towards you. He's not looking at your past. You have no past but the cross. After the cross, it's all gone. You come to him with a clean slate and a new life. 
You who, how many pastors are in this place? I encourage you, be sure your church is an evangelism church. An evangelism church plans every service with new people in mind, new converts in mind. You sing songs that make sense. You preach sermons that make sense. We don't need to tell new converts or unconverted people about uh, the, the how many... How many, how many crowns do the elders throw down at Jesus' feet? They don't need to know about that. They need to look to the cross and know that they're welcome. They need to see the extended arms of Jesus Christ on their behalf. We have a church, when it's an evangelism church, we have a church where the people will move out of their normal seat when a stranger shows up. Are your people here like they are in the States? Oh, they get their own seat. And every Sunday they come and they're looking for their seat. They are in row three, four seat over, and they dominate that seat. Well, no, an evangelism church doesn't have people who dominate seats. We're smiling at people we don't know. We're not just looking to our friend that we're happy to see. We're looking for the faces we've never met. That's an evangelism church. We embrace people. We invite them to our home. We love them. We don't criticize them for how they're dressed, how they smell, how they're made up or not. We welcome them. We're the Jesus Welcoming Committee. Oh, what a high honor. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Prioritize evangelism. Number three, announce the message of the gospel. You've heard enough about that. I am just including it to show you that is one of the vital pillars. We must always announce the gospel. And I will tell you, I went through quickly last night the four events of the gospel, the entire scripture, the redemptive truth, Genesis to Revelation. When you absorb these truths, you can teach any topic teach healing, teach prosperity, you can teach family, you can teach uh, business, you can teach ethics, you can teach um, prayer, of course, you can preach the Holy Spirit, you can preach what are all of the topics that we teach. All of them must be rooted in the foundational truth of the gospel of redemption. And by that, let me give you an example. We don't just preach healing because we pick six scriptures and say healing is for you today. We go back to Genesis. In the, in the original plan of God, there was no sickness. God did not ordain sickness. He does not put sickness on you to punish you. He did not put sickness on you to teach you patience. He did, he's not the author of sickness. He's not the author of death. We go back to the garden. That's what I'm talking about. Well, any topic you want, start at the beginning. Why? Because that gives you a way to anchor it in the cross. So that all these things are fulfilled in the cross that restores us to the original dream and launches us into the original purpose. Say hallelujah. I will just read to you Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that's by faith from first to last. The just shall live by faith. Oh, hallelujah. I remind you of the teaching last night. I hope you can get a copy of that if you were not here. I, I remember I was in China. It was, my, it was my first time to go to China, and I went there to minister to leaders in the underground church. Uh, things are very difficult in China. What makes it difficult is that China proposes that they have religious freedom. That means you can believe anything you want, but you can't tell anyone, not even your own children. If you tell them, and they talk about it at school, you will lose your children. 
Now that's religious freedom. I could tell you many things about China. And then the, the government has instituted an official Christian church. They have their own, they have their own uh, bishops. They have instituted an official Catholic church. They have their own pope. They have their own Baha'i, uh, Islam, um, um, Hindu. They have all these official churches. But for the Christian, they've revised the Bible. They've removed crosses from every building. You have to, they've emplaced the Chinese heroes instead of the biblical persons that are written about. So it's a, it's a very oppressive, at, at ri- great risk, at the risk of losing your life, your apartment or your housing, your health care, children, your school for your children, and of your employment. All of that's tied around one corporation, whatever field you're in. That's like a government department. Let's say you're in, in, in um, uh, communications. Okay, that communications government department, as soon as you're born, you're given a number. And that number dictates what schooling you're going to have, what your profession will be eventually, and that corporation gives you your housing, pays your salary, and all these other privileges I mentioned. As soon as you're reported on for talking about your religion, you lose your job. As soon as you lose your job, you lose everything. And you're put in prison. You do not expect a trial. So this is the condition. When I went to minister to the leaders of the underground church, there were 27 of them that represented millions of Chinese in these small home groups, no larger than eight in one group. And when you, every one of them, I couldn't even show pictures without covering their faces because they've all been in prison. They've all been tortured. The women have all been raped. Amazing testimonies how they go into prison and they, they keep being moved from cell to cell because they win everyone. There may be 50 people in one cell, but that Christian wins them to Christ and the authorities have to move them to another cell. Look at this. My point is, I was there, we were, all of us had to stay together because it could be no hint that they were with a foreigner or that there was more than three people gathering. So they came for over weeks to sneak in and then they would just stay there until I finally arrived and they snuck me in, my head covered. I didn't know where my Bible was. They finally found me. And, and so 20, 27 of us, 28 and 29, we were in these Two rooms, small rooms. We never left. We slept together. We did everything together. I taught from 8 in the morning until 8 at night. You think I'm long-winded here? Go to China with me. (laughs) And, of course, I never had a break because when there was a break, they were making their trips to the toilet, and I was answering questions. I came home with bruises all down my legs from sitting tightly against a wooden chair, never moving all day. Are you hearing the hunger? Now, here's my point. I'm talking about preaching the gospel. The first day that I was there, from 8 in the morning till 8 at night, I had a little Chinese lady who was my interpreter. I tore four pieces of paper and put them on the wall. And I began to teach carefully, slowly, giving them the four events of the scripture. And then she would write it in Chinese on these pieces of paper. About the third day, and of course I kept impressing them on the power that's in the gospel. I have to tell you, the reason I accepted this invitation, these leaders told me, says, we know how to help people accept Christ. At least 40,000 people every day are accepting Christ in China. When you can't talk about it. (laughs) So the behavior of the Christian is... But what you can do, if a person asks you a question, you can answer. So the Christians are taught to live in such a way that they get questions. Uh Like, why did you say that? Or why do you feel that way? Or how did you respond? Why? Then you can answer. Okay. So, 
About the third day, my interpreter was the leader of a home group, and she had to go and deal with her group. She had a group of five people. So she slipped out and came back the next day. That young woman was just bouncing with joy. She was just ridiculously happy. When we calmed her down to hear what happened, when she went home, there were eight people. And the three who were extra were men, and she suspicioned that they were from the government as spies to to see what was going on. And she thought about canceling the meeting, and then she thought, no, that woman kept saying that this gospel is power. And so she tore off four pieces of paper, put them on the wall, and she followed suit, of course, very quickly, and she gave the message of the gospel in those four events. The three strangers all accepted Christ. But the amazing thing was one of those men had been born deaf in one ear. When he accepted Christ, his ear came open. (laughs) Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And he's so consistent. You never have to wonder. Preach the gospel. That is the power. We don't have to fake it, make it up, coerce. We don't have to do any of that. We preach the gospel. The fourth The fourth pillar in continuing the ministry of Jesus is expect miracles. Expect miracles. Expect miracles. The gospel always involves proclamation and demonstration. Matthew 4.24, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all who were possessed with demons and curing disease. Proclamation, demonstration. If we don't have demonstration, we need to review what we're proclaiming. Because the gospel will always demonstrate. And I have a whole list of proof to tell you, but I'll do another time. My point to you is that the gospel, when you present Christ, he is resurrected. He's alive. He's a healer. You know, he doesn't heal people because they're sick. He heals people because he's a healer. I'll tell you one story that I'm quitting. I was in Liberia just in early 2020. And the last day of our public evangelism event, there was one woman who came to testify. She was a small woman, young woman, and she just looked like she was nine months pregnant. But she was so, so happy. Her story was that when she was, after she had carried the pregnancy for nine months, the movement stopped. So she went to the clinic, and the doctors examined her and said, I'm sorry, the baby's dead. And so they recommended that she have surgery, remove the dead fetus, but she didn't have the money. And so she just continued carrying that pregnancy. When she came to our festival, she had heard that miracles were happening, so she listened, and she received Christ. And when we prayed for the sick, she laid her hand on her stomach, and she began to feel movement. She came to testify, and that's why she was so happy. She still looked pregnant, but she knew the miracle. She was feeling movement. So, of course, I told her, I said, oh, honey, you're going to deliver a healthy baby. You learn to see faith when you're in miracle ministry. You can see faith. It happens, and this is not common, but it happens that one of the pastors decided to follow up on that young woman. You know, we don't always see the end of the story. We just know it by faith. But in this case, he followed her, and the next day she delivered a healthy, beautiful little girl. Now that's a resurrection miracle. Jesus has not changed. We can trust him. 
Let's continue his ministry. Because as my father's book says, that's the message that works. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So focus on Jesus. Prioritize evangelism. Announce the gospel. The gospel is our message. We don't need anything else. And expect miracles. If you don't expect them, you won't preach about them. If you don't preach miracles, you'll never see miracles. We preach. We preach. Is everyone healed? No. But if we don't preach, no one will be. Let's preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. We come your way next time. Remember that Christ came to give you life and life in abundance. Be blessed. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, who I believe died on the cross for my sin. I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.